Hello, and welcome back to the Fight Site MMA podcast. Going to cut right to the chase. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Luke Thomas, combat sports analyst of CBS Sports. And uh, we are incredibly happy to have him here. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, gentlemen. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for the support. Um, Luke is joining us. That's Dan Martin and Sriram Morella Duran of the Fight Site. Uh, to break down, we'll do our best to predict the main event of UFC 254, which is, of course, matchup of the year material. Khabib Nurmagomedov going for his 29th victory, I believe, against uh, the number one contender, Justin Gaethje. And we are also going to talk about Robert Whitaker hoping to get uh, a second back-to-back win after his victory over Darren Till against Jared Cannonier. And if we have a little bit of time at the end, I'm sure those two fights are probably going to fill up most of the runtime. But if we have a little bit of time, uh, we'll get into Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. Ortega with a modest upset this last weekend after almost two years off. I know Luke is working on his own piece and video dissection of that fight, so beware of that coming up. But we'll try to spend a little bit of, spare a few thoughts on it before it's all over. Um, as always, I'm your host, Dan Martin, here with my co-host, Sriram Morella Duran. And Hello. I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like mincing words. Um, we might as well just, we might as well just dive in head first. I know before the, before we started recording, Luke, you mentioned you have no idea which way this is going to go. <laughs> I think that's a decent place to start. So just thoughts on the matchup as a whole. We kind of got, you know, the Tony Khabib chapter seems like it's kind of finally closed, at least for now. Um, and there's a new, potentially more dangerous challenge in front of Khabib. So what do you make of this? Yeah, man, this was um, this is one where... You know, obviously, because of Khabib's star power, you know, you get a lot more of your casual, uh, the people into the the casual fans in your orbit, hitting you up for either betting advice or what do you think or blah blah blah. And I honestly, like, I don't know what to tell them, because it's like there are so many perfectly plausible scenarios, right? I mean, do I need to say that it seems plausible that Nurmagomedov could go in there and do what he always does? I mean, that doesn't sound that crazy to me does it sound perhaps a little bit more crazy but given the trajectory he's been on does it sound crazy that justin might either not completely shut down Nurmagomedov, but shut him down enough to get a tko finish maybe late in the fight or you know some some kind of way to get his hand raised by doing damage uh in the interim in the space before any takedowns and then stuffing some other ones along the way that, t- that to me sounds perfectly reasonable and it's just hard to know which way is which because if you look at the takedowns that Gaethje has suffered um, most of them if not all of them have been a function of just taking damage and being rocked and then someone you know trying to take down a guy who is who from a, a sort of faculties standpoint isn't all there and then you could say well what about his wrestling footage from college well what about it I mean how relevant is that maybe it's relevant I, it's just hard to know exactly you hear stories about his training that, you know, for the most part, he works on his um, his takedown defense, but nothing that actively he has ever really pursued in terms of um, a ground game knowledge. You know, I, <laughs> I just, something's going to break, something's going to bend, and it's just very, very, very difficult to know which one is which. I guess, I don't know how you boys feel, but I guess the smart money 
is, you know, uh, 28 times will lead to 29 for Nurmagomedov, but I, can I even say that with a de degree of certainty? No, I cannot. I, I, that's sort of my overview on the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of betting advice, uh, if you don't know how it's going to go, pick like the what something like plus 280 uh, underdog. That's Justin Gaethje for now. I mean, I'm not completely sure that he's going to win and I'm not even sure I'd favor him but you know just in terms of if it's a 50-50 go with the, the guy who's going to get you the more money if he wins but um, I think the thing about this fight is that in general I think there are a lot of attributes and a lot of skills that Justin Gaethje has to pick up the win he's um, he's a brilliant counter puncher he's a brilliant kicker I think both things are going to give Khabib a lot of trouble with his rudimentary stand-up game he has very very good ring craft on the front foot and the back foot which is going to give Khabib, I think, a decent amount of trouble getting to his positions. But I think the trouble is that we haven't seen a ton of Gaethje, or at least we haven't seen a ton of anyone at lightweight in the positions in which uh, Nurmagomedov puts them. And I think that's why, if I were to say who in the UFC beats Khabib, I wouldn't be able to come up with a concrete answer. Outside the UFC, Abdul Vakhabov is the guy who's most proven. But in the UFC, there just aren't many lightweight control wrestlers. So uh, with regard to Gaethje's bottom game, his cage wrestling... There's just not a ton of information, and that's what makes it tough for me to say Gaethje does this or Gaethje does not. Um, I think uh, I think I'm with all of that. As far as where I'm standing with this, um, I really do want to emphasize. I think you can do a lot worse than Justin Gaethje, and there are certainly a lot less dangerous fights for Khabib out there. Um, this was always. Ever since Justin Gaethje came to the UFC, this fight was actually, or this matchup rather, was always really on my radar. Um, I always thought it could be an interesting challenge for someone like Khabib, who was going to, you know, an opponent who was going to aggressively push him back, um, who has at least nominal skill in the way of wrestling defense, um, someone who's going to force his shot. Uh, you know, and as time has gone on, Justin Gaethje also become really mean and aggressive and physical in the clinch. Uh, which is another area where I think Khabib has gotten used to, you know, doesn't really always have to deal with a bit of interstitial offense in those places. Um, so this was always, it was always a fascinating matchup for me, and I'm, I'm happy that we're finally getting it. Um, I agree with the idea that Khabib, there just aren't really a lot of analogs for Khabib, and that makes picking his fights challenging, you know, as far as, you know, from a predictive standpoint, because... You can look at the improvements that, like, a Dustin Poirier makes. You can look at the just the sort of baseline takedown defense of an Edson Barboza or so forth. And you can see a lot of the pieces. Uh, but it's hard to know how all of those things, you know, the confluence of all those skills, how they're going to work against such a binary fighter in Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, I said, and I'm I'm kind of sticking to this idea that I feel like there's there's two Khabibs out there. One of them is this sort of the immortal god of grappling and wrestling, and no one can possibly compare. He's undefeated. No one, just everybody beats themselves, and no one has a chance. And then the other Khabib is the one that I actually really want to celebrate and give credit to, and that is the intelligent and uh, tactically astute fighter who's constantly you know assessing the risk of his opponents and who's has a keen recognition for the kind of threats that they offer and that to me is a more you know that to me is, is a more interesting profile uh to analyze and discuss 
Um, especially when you consider it, you know, up against someone like Justin Gaethje, who I said is going to be at the very least, you know, pushing Khabib in ways and pressuring him and, and, and threatening him in places where Khabib maybe hasn't really been threatened before. Um, so I guess we should, I guess we should probably jump right to that. Um, what is, you know, assuming, assuming Gaethje can have some degree of his fight, like, what does that look like? against Khabib I mean I think pressure has always sort of been the that seems to be the easy answer is that you really want to push Khabib back with strikes at all costs but is there you know after that Tony Ferguson fight what are the odds of Gaethje fighting off the back foot sort of forcing Khabib to come to him maybe using distance as a trigger for the counters a bit more uh kicking off the back foot what do you think Luke there, there. I mean, no matter which way you side with the analysis here, uh, the 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 broader overview, and this is where you just it's just really hard to know which way he's going to go. Is there's this natural tension, uh, and every and every number of opponent does this too. By the way, to varying degrees, of course, but um, the smarter ones really get out there and they say. You know, uh, I'll defend what I have to defend, uh, you know, to the extent that it's necessary, but the rest of the time I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be all offense, right? I'm going to be hitting them, hurting them, blah, blah, blah. In other words, there's this natural tension between Nurmagomedov is pressuring, he is, you know, super, let's say, a, you know, low single, right? Really getting out of the way of just about anything you're going to throw at him, maybe even shooting from far away, but making body contact, which at this point seems to be good enough for working his way towards something half the time. Um you know, do you defend that or do you decide to then, you know, unload hammer fists? Do you sprawl? And if so, okay, yes, you might. Uh, if that's something that's available to you, or like whatever the whatever the prescribed method of defending is, to what extent are you going to defend these things? And then to what extent are you then going to launch offense? And some of that will be more obvious than others, right? If you're up against the cage and he's got, he's trying to get his hands locked underneath your rear end. Gee, you know, spreading your base, getting an underhook, that might be pretty important. That's going to be really, really essential. But what if you're in the middle? What if you're circling? What if it's you feel like you're comfortable, right? I mean, there's going to be all kinds of reads you have to make about to what extent do I want to defend here? And then to what extent do I want to, you know, perhaps moderately defend, not defend at all, and then just launch into offense? Do I want to greet his low single with an uppercut or do I not? Like, you have to make these kinds of calculations all the time. Uh, he's got a variety of takedowns. He is... Again, about 40% plus successful with them, but they are in some ways relentless. He's not going to strike with Justin Gaethje for any long, pronounced period of time. I think that's probably a, a safe conclusion. And so you're talking about back foot, front foot. I, you know, <laughs> my hunch, okay, here's my best guess. And boy, when I say guess, I am using that word in the strongest terms possible. My hunch is that he'll probably play with a little bit of both of it. But... Uh, I'm guessing that more of it is going to be putting Nurmagomedov backwards. Uh, you, I just cannot believe you can win over the course of time letting him come to you. Because even if he makes contact, he can run you into the fence. And once he runs you into the fence, even if you don't get taken down, you're probably going to spend a lot of time wrestling. How much time do you want to spend wrestling versus doing other things? How much is that draining? you got to put that guy a little bit on the defensive mindset. You have to get him reacting to you. Um, you have to you have to put him in a position where he's just not like, oh, well, this form of offense didn't work. I'll just launch the next one, and then it does. Now that's a completely different conversation um, about what do you do once you're down, right? I think we'll probably have to separate the conversation. But my hunch is, uh, again, back foot, 
probably a little bit. He might want to lure him into a couple of traps along the way. But I'm guessing this is going to be barrel down on the guy to the extent possible. But how you do that and in what ways, you know, Trevor Whitman has his work cut out for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think the the thing with Gaethje that interested me the first time he came into the UFC against Michael Johnson was the fact that he could pressure such a, a scary, scary puncher in exchanges with, with that much confidence. And I think right now he's, I don't know if I'd say he's gotten better, but I would definitely say he's changed. And I worries me more than it would if he just came in like if he just came in beat eddie alvarez and then face uh, face khabib or beat michael johnson and face khabib i think i'd be if anything a little bit more uh willing to say that he'd be able to find the the kind of shot earlier but i think the fact that uh, as good of an outfighter as gaethje has been and he looked he looked very very good he's uh against tony ferguson he was pivoting to break the line of attack he was running him onto counters very, very consistently. He was holding his ground very well. And I do think an outfighter can beat Khabib. Someone like a prime Jose Aldo or even an Eddie Alvarez could make Khabib look pretty bad in terms of getting to his takedown entries. But I think the fact that Gaethje hasn't played with those margins against this kind of opponent, uh, and these are very, very thin margins, because I mean, Gaethje's incredibly durable and he hasn't had to play with that kind of margin before against a puncher. But against a guy like Khabib, who not only if you get near the fence, he can just physically push you there and test that previously untested cage wrestling, but his top game is just, it's exhaustively efficient and it's exhaustingly efficient in a way that I don't think Gaethje can afford a round on the bottom necessarily. It could easily be that he could and he's just a Henry Cejudo who just doesn't care. But given what he said, wrestling exhausts him and it exhausts everyone with Khabib, I don't think he has the margin to play that game. So I think... If Gaethje outsmarts himself and tries to outfight, it could be riskier than if he just goes hell or high water, I'm moving forward. I think, Luke, you have an interesting point about uh, like your point of your point of attack with Khabib, because it is sort of that is kind of gets into a bit of the psychology of Justin Gaethje, where Gaethje has been you know, in his last couple of fights, he has shown more of a propensity for transitional striking. Um, as I said, he's worked collar ties into his, um, he's, he's always had a pretty decent, uh, you know, single collar tie to uppercut. Um, the thing is, is it's, it's hard to know if he'll, you know, I'd like with Conor McGregor and that first takedown against Conor McGregor, you know, Conor came close to stuffing it, but he, one of the things he, he made a mistake with, with in terms of sort of technical grappling was he sort of tried to defend with a knee and that was ultimately what what led to him getting taken down and pushed back up against the fence from like you know midway into the cage. Um, and I guess that is that is sort of the risk if Gaethje wants to play a more neutral space, neutral exchange kind of game. Is that Khabib doesn't? Th- there are technical you know criticisms to be had with Khabib's takedown entries. Like our friend Ed Gallo has pointed them out many times over his career. Um, but it's the fact that Khabib can start on such a weak entry, you know, like I said, somewhere like halfway through the, halfway in the center of the cage, and then drive that all the way to the cage, and then suddenly his, you know, the, his likelihood of hitting a takedown skyrockets. Um, so I think you're probably right in that Gaethje is probably going to be more willing to to push Khabib back to create as much distance from his own you know from himself 
to the cage, to getting his back as far away from the cage as possible. And it was interesting hearing Gaethje, Gaethje talk about the interview. And this is actually one of the reasons that I've I've always been interested in seeing Gaethje fight Khabib is that he seems like one of the opponents who actually really understands what fighting Khabib is all about. He's talked openly about forcing Khabib's shot. Um, it's, you know, it is along the fence that Khabib is able to to really take angles and uh, transition in terms of his chain wrestling. That's where he's actually able to work uh, like the leg mount and his riding game and so forth. Um, and it is kind of a unique subversion from normal, you know, typical, it eschews typical, you know, when we think of wrestling and MMA, the one thing that guys do when they get taken down is they want to back themselves up to the fence as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And that is kind of the worst thing that you can do against Khabib. Like he, he's the one who's actually going to, who wants you to do that, force you up against the fence, and then he'll strip your grips out and then he'll, he'll tie your legs up. And suddenly you realize that this you know, your sort of trained takedown defense that you've probably prepared against most other opponents is actually what you shouldn't be doing against Khabib. It's it's probably the worst place you could be. It's when, you know, it's when Khabib had Connor in open space that he wasn't doing as much damage on top. It was when Connor was, you know, more aligned along the fence that that's like that's Khabib's that's his his home base. So all that said, um I think that there is a there is more of a possibility of Gaethje actually being able to push Khabib off him in open space, and I think like that is actually could potentially be a uh, a fight changer for him. Can he make it? Because as I as I said earlier, one of the things I really liked about Gaethje's performance against Ferguson was how conscious he was of where he was in the cage and his own distance between him and Tony. And when Tony tried to encroach upon that distance, it was, like I said, it was kind of a distance counter. Um, you know, he would constantly run him onto the check hook, like a short right hand before pivoting and, you know, breaking the line of attack, angling away. And that is actually stuff that I think can work pretty well against Khabib, because broadly, I think that Khabib and Tony both, you know, are very much propelled to come forward as fighters, but I wouldn't necessarily classify either as a particularly skilled ring cutter. Um, and it's that ability to actually just take a slight angle when you use a short, you know, line-breaking attack, take a quick angle, and force your opponent to turn. That is actually the sort of stuff that you would want to see someone do against Khabib. Um, like, and these aren't, you know... These aren't shots that you can sort of lazily afford to just wade through. Um, so that's interesting, right? I think that's a there, there's at least something there in terms of how, you know, how easily can Khabib just get into his own range? I mean, this is where um, this is where like obviously footwork and you know, angling and center of the cage. I mean, um, you know, you think about this for just a second. I've seen Khabib get takedowns. Where he sh didn't set up the shot, shot from you know super far away, grabbed a leg. Someone defends the leg. He doesn't really want the leg. He's just using it to get an underhook. Gets an underhook and then runs the person into the fence. And from there, you know, the game has changed at that point. I mean, that is that that should not work. You know, absent Khabib's particular. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy that he can fucking do that shit. It's the it's like. How is it possible in my level MMA you can get away with it? Well, he does, you know. 
And so this is what I mean. It's like to the extent you can circle, to the extent you can make Khabib turn, to the extent he's having to chase, to the extent you can pivot off the you know the, the line of attack. To you, can, I mean, these are all things that are going to be pretty important. That's figure out what weapons where and when. Like you have to you have to make a call and. Um, and I think that's, I mean, we, we're, we can play with some ideas on this one, but it, to me it seems, um, and worth it then, and, and I haven't seen Ed Gallo's technical assessment of, of, of Khabib, but I'm sure he's right. Um, Khabib has been able to just get away with that shit. It's just been totally, no one has ever made him pay for it, uh, even when they've tried. Uh, can Gaethje, I don't know, but certainly I feel like you guys know Chris Weidman, I feel like, does is somewhat of an underrated, somewhat of an underrated MMA wrestler because he's actually pretty good about getting takedowns in the middle of the cage, uh, rather than using the fence line itself. Oh, uh, yeah. Khabib is not that guy, and to the extent you can marry some interesting things from the Ferguson fight with this assessment of inside the two black lines, turning, cutting, pivoting at all times, um, that probably is the winning territory. I would say. Uh, I agree. I think the. The thing that worries me in this fight is, as you mentioned, the presumption that you have to make with Gaethje's uh, just raw takedown skills, or takedown defense skills, rather, because I think there, between what we saw, for example, from Ally Aquinta, who I don't rate highly otherwise, but uh, he did, deeper into the fight, he did a solid job just diligently breaking off with the single, uh, just limp-legging out as soon as Khabib touched him. We don't know whether Justin Gaethje is able to do that, whether he's had that urgency, and I think... If we've seen someone with urgent defense to that initial single leg, great cage wrestling, to, so that when they eventually get there, they can defend someone like a, a better version of Gleason Tebow who doesn't just get stalled there. Um, I think there is a winning strategy for Khabib between all these different skills. But with Gaethje, I think there's a, a really a great deal of presumption that it takes to say that he never he, he needed either a perfect fight or a short one to just never get into those unknown territories. And I'm not sure I can trust that more than I can trust Khabib just getting to those positions eventually, even if he has a really rough fight in the open. As I said, I think there is a fighter out there like that uh, who has been tested against a monstrous control wrestler in Ali Bagoff. And I think Abdul Vakhabov would be very, very bad for Khabib with just uh, consistent jab countering, pressure, and being able to wrestle with Khabib. Gaethje, I think I need to see a little bit more, and I can't say that it's going to happen until it does. So with a heavy heart, it's going to be a Khabib pick for me. Mm. Luke, I know you kind of you kind of showed your hand a little bit before the show. Um, I'm guessing you're you're kind of leaning the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say, look, you know, Khabib's undefeated for a reason. For whatever his technical deficiencies, and they're real. Whatever his strategic limitations uh, and lack of well-roundedness that you guys have identified, I honestly would not challenge any of it. I think it's probably the way to go. Um, I don't. I don't. We we not talked about it partly because it's probably not all that relevant. I don't think that the dad being missing is relevant, which is to say, I'm sure it's hugely impactful in his life. But whether Absolutely. he wins or loses, I don't think will be a function of his absence per se. Uh, I don't mean to diminish him. I just mean to sort of say. If Gagey's going to win, it's probably going to be because he has a really, he just figured out what the right way to do is with uh, with Trevor uh, with Trevor Whitman. So I'll lean, you know, gun to my head, I lean towards Habib, but I honestly feel like we're having to make a broad series of assumptions in a in a wide amount of areas of the game that I normally would not do. So you know, be very very humble about any pick on this one, unless you've got some kind of line about one of the two being injured or something. So I, you know, I think I'm gonna pick Gaethje. Like I, ah, actually, I there you go. I've been 
think yeah i've been thinking about it for a long time and i, I like i said i had this fight i don't mean and if i maybe I, I turn out to be right next week but i really i i can't really hold this over as like i knew it was going to happen i just always thought gaethje would be a difficult fight for khabib in a way that i never really thought dustin poirier or tony ferguson would be as i said you know as i said earlier about the sort of two khabibs i really think that khabib as great as he is i don't know if he's really fought anyone who i would classify as a particularly hard fight for him like lo looking back at everyone that he's fought there aren't many that i could point to and be like "Ooh, that's a that's a really challenging matchup for khabib that's a matchup where khabib's gonna have to do something different like that looks like a matchup where khabib's gonna have to really uh, adapt and adjust his game in a way that we haven't really seen before um that's not to diminish the improvements that he made, which are, you know, gargantuan. But I, I just haven't really, I just haven't really seen it. And so the reason I'm, I'm picking Gaethje, and it, I realize it is a bit of a leap of faith. There's plenty of things that could go wrong for Justin Gaethje, you know, and maybe his margins are a lot thinner than Khabib's. There's a very good chance of that. <sighs> But he has a lot of the pieces that you look for in someone like he has, as I said, he has the pressure. Um, he has the ability to to lead and counter with his strikes. He can break the line of attack off the back foot. He can push Khabib back on the front foot. He hits the body and he works the legs. And, you know, these are not shots that you can really just afford to to take haphazardly. You know, these are not shots that you really want to be just walking through. As we've seen Khabib sometimes just soldier through shots to get to the clinch. Um, I don't know if you can really afford that against Gaethje. Um, I know he's been training his wrestling with Kamaru Usman. I know that the way that Gaethje and Whitman talked about Khabib as an opponent filled me with a lot more intrigue and confidence than anyone else I'd heard approaching Khabib. To me, it just seems like Gaethje actually understands what this fight is about and how to approach a very specific, uh, you know, a very specific fighter with an incredibly defined lane that, and, and if Khabib really can win it, and I want to emphasize this, he very well could. If he wins it, I will be legitimately, honest to God, truly impressed in his ability to navigate a matchup like this in a way that I, I don't know if I ever really have been to the full extent. So I'm maybe it's a presumption, you know, maybe everything falls apart along the fence, but I'm going to pick Gaethje. I think it's, I, I think it's worth a, it's worth throwing a pick out in a fight like this. Uh, and Gaethje's done enough. He's done enough in the interim that I actually think that, he probably has the best shot of anyone in the division. So I'm picking him. Um, moving on. There's the, uh, the next fight on the card that I want to discuss is a bit of a dubious one. Um, Robert Whitaker versus Jared Kenner at middleweight. Before we jump into the fight itself, Luke, what did you think about Rob's win over Darren Till? What was your what were some of your takeaways on that? Because it, it felt like a lot of people, they, people were expecting you know at least a little bit of reassurance, and I don't know if they necessarily got that. What was your what was your feeling? You mean reassurance that he was still elite? 
following the yeah, was drumming. Like a... yeah. Um I I wasn't overly I wasn't overly I mean Till is a hard guy to figure out like he cuz he's he didn't get the heart, the right weight class and he has underperformed I think a few times even in situations where he's won. He was a also he's been like he not he's not been a consistent product. He was, you know, he, I think he it withdrew against Nicholas Dalby early in his career and now he's much much better and uh, so it's a little bit hard to know exactly what his level is. I mean it's, it's high. I, I you know, I'm not sure to be demeaning, but you know, really where he falls in the pecking order. And, uh, you know, I think people reputationally thought Whitaker should have made shorter work of it. I'm a little bit less, I'm a little less bothered by these things, to be quite honest with you. I mean, he came back after uh, changing his training. He had that mental breakdown. He had a terrible loss. He'd had a number of injuries. You know, we saw Brian Ortega come off uh, a, you know, an extraordinarily long layoff and do really, really well. But, the, the, you know. Ring rust or whatever you want to call it. It was more than ring rust, obviously, and quite different for uh, Whitaker. But anyway, I, I I wouldn't read too much into it. I mean, I think my basic read is that he is still uh, a little bit unsure of himself. Um, there's, I think that the fainting game of um, Till is somewhat under... I certainly underappreciated it relative to what he showed. And, you know, erring on the side of caution. You know, uh, the porridge was a little too hot against Adesanya. It was a little too cold against Till. Maybe it'll be something a little bit more uh, Goldilocks palatable in the middle. I guess that's my quick <laughs> quick answer to that. Uh, yeah, I like that analogy a lot, actually. Uh, I know you got to leave soon, so uh, what's your read on the fight overall since we've got uh, just a couple more minutes with you? Well, I, you know what? I actually like the fight. I mean, you called it dubious. I'd be curious to know what, you, what about it is dubious for you. I, I Because here... You know, it's not the fight where it's like Till versus Ken. Excuse me, Till versus Whitaker on paper was infinitely more exciting. Uh, again, on paper, and then it just turned out to be what it was. And again, there was injuries involved and everything else. But um, for me, I actually like it in the sense that I feel like Cannoneer is deserving of something a little bit more. Um, you know, um, uh, the the Hermanson win was nice, but there's another level to what he has ascended to. It's hilarious to me that the guy fought at heavyweight and was like, nah, maybe not. Then light heavyweight, then like, yeah, maybe not. And then at middleweight, he's like super shredded. And even at 35, 36, he's <laughs> the best he's yeah. ever been. It's like, how did you not know that this was better for you? But okay, different question for a different time. But for me, it's like, uh, you know, listen, I think Whitaker still has some work to do to get back to where he was, either mentally or whatever adaptations he has made or changed or you know, combinations of the two. And so for me, I like the fight for Whitaker. This is one where, again, uh, Nurmagomedov and Gaethje, I really am just somewhat lost in the whole thing. But this one, I feel a little bit more confident. The odds makers have it as a pick which is really interesting. Because to me, this one feels like Cannoneer, if Cannoneer, excuse me, this one feels like if Whitaker still is who we think he is, this is too winnable. The blitzing, um, the high-low attacks, the angles, the darting, uh, the stance switches through combination. These are all things that I don't think um, Cannoneer has either had to face or is necessarily best suited to attack. Um, I feel like to the extent you get people who involve, um, uh, you know, more of these combinations of elements in fights, which is trap setting, right? Angle changing, high-low attacks, um, uh, fainting, trickery, camouflage, those kinds of things. And then you bring the element of speed.
does. That should be a lethal combination for someone like Cannoneer, as good as I think that he is. So I actually like the fight where it's like if Cannoneer wins, wow, it's easily the best win of his career. Totally signature achievement. If Whitaker wins, it's like, okay, you know what? He finally got did enough to merit a title shot. We'll see what happens without Asanya and Jones. So uh, I don't know that I understand the odds. Perhaps you boys disagree, which would be great. But I think Whitaker should win this, I won't say easily, but it should not be too difficult relative to his abilities. Uh, yeah, I mean, me and Danny disagree uh, among each other. And I think I'm kind of more on your side with this one. I think Robert would also... Given that uh, Cannoneer spent like a lot of his career at higher weight classes, which tend to be worse than what Robert Whitaker represents, uh, I think there's a surprising amount of analogs for what Robert Whitaker does in those matchups, uh, particularly Jan Blahovic kind of playing havoc with Jared Cannoneer's uh, defense with the jab left hook changeup, which is something that Whitaker does very well and very consistently. And uh, and the fact that he got counterpunched by Dominic Reyes, uh, Reyes was able to draw him onto a big uppercut. And event- even before that, there was a big flurry from Reyes on the counter. And that's very, very concerning to me, considering that Reyes looked about as potent on the counter against Jan Blahovic as like someone with no arms. So I think Cannoneer is going to struggle here if he doesn't... Well, he has a route. He has one very clear route, which is to kick the legs. Whitaker has had trouble with that in the past with Rafael Natal. But beyond that in the boxing, and I think Whitaker is a good enough fighter to keep the distance, to uh, complicate the leg kicks, counter them as he did without Asanya like once. I don't think Cannoneer is a particularly adaptive threat or a particularly nuanced kicking threat. So I think if Whitaker takes those away, it's just a question of the margins. And I think Whitaker has historically navigated them better with the shorter counterpuncher who he can just get in with the jab and get out than having to cover distance behind strikes. So it's going to be a Whitaker pick for me too. I'm hearing, I'm hearing what you guys are saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm less certain. Um, one of the, so one of the sort of mitigating things that I want to bring up is, can Whitaker wrestle? Because I know most of Whitaker's reputation has sort of been centered around his takedown defense, and for good reason. Um, he is a remarkably talented wrestler defensive wrestler along the fence and an open space uh like there's a reason that he's been celebrated in that regard uh what people may not know is that he's a legitimately good offensive wrestler in his own right he has plenty of let's he had plenty of experience i'm spacing on the name of the organization but he's done like commonwealth trials in australia he's just trained wrestling on his own for a long time like he's a he's a legit like power takedown threat. Um and I've seen Jared Cannonier's st- takedown defense look shaky against Glover Teixeira and you know among others. Uh I know middleweights have had a tougher time controlling Cannonier over 3 rounds, which I guess is something to know. It is, you know, it is notable that David Branch and Jack Hermanson, who are both very capable wrestlers in their own right could at least get somewhere with Cannoneer in terms of the wrestling early. But over time, it sort of... It kind of exhausted them more than more than it exhausted Cannoneer, and then he was able to wear them down and knock them out. Um, so I think that's a, that's a question that I, I do want to answer. Can Whitaker actually use his wrestling offensively, or you know, and or can he use the type of transitional work that we saw against Frankie Yeager, which was nice, um, where he's able to sort of you know, dive in on a takedown, maybe transition to something, transition to a single leg, 
and then attack on a break as his opponent's pummeling. Um, you know, there's opportunity there. I'm just, I'm just fearful because I feel like if Whitaker sells out too much in one way, if he either tries to, as you said, Luke, the sort of hot and cold thing, if he's, if he goes in too hot with his blitzes, um, he runs the risk of running into something hard because when Whitaker, you know, tried to do that to Darren Till early, you know, Darren Till came out with a really smart approach, you know, sort of counter-based game uh, and ran him onto that elbow in the first round. And it was a, you know, it was a solid knockdown right out of the gate. So that's a risk if he goes too hard in that direction. Conversely, um, if he sells out too much in the wrestling, uh, I think that there's also a chance that he could, you know, it could be tiring wrestling with Cannoneer. Like that is, there's a possibility that Cannoneer just being this incredibly patient, stalking power puncher uh, who's just, you know, f- incredibly physically gifted not entirely dissimilar to the way that Yoel Romero is, like, well into his late 30s, um, that in trying to sell out too much in the wrestling, uh, the wrestling phase, that could also be, be a risk uh, uh, in getting timed on the way in. Like, it was that, it was that level-changing uppercut that Cannoneer knocked Hermanson out with. Um, and then in open space, you know, Cannoneer has actually shown a pretty dangerous leg kick. You know, he shattered Silva's... Silva's leg again, and then kind of crippled crippled Hermanson, where Hermanson was basically forced to sort of shoot out of desperation. So, to me, this actually feels a bit like a trap. The thing is, I I, I want to agree in my heart. I really want to agree that Robert Whitaker is should have the tools to win this fight, and I can I can easily see myself picking a you know, if there weren't as many stories about Whitaker kind of feeling burned out, or you know, as many injuries that he's sustaining, whether it's outside of camp or inside of a fight itself, you know, maybe I wouldn't be quite so worried. Um, you know, I, I I agree with your point about Darren Till being a bit of a he's a bit of a tough opponent to look good against, but uh, against my better judgment, I think I'm I think I'm erring with Cannoneer here. I feel like the as long as we're having, I feel like that is kind of a point of discussion for all the fights today is just margins. I feel like the margins are just a little bit wider for Cannoneer. I feel like Cannoneer can probably afford a bad round better. You know, if he if he gets taken down in the first round and just held down and his guard passed, like, he's still going to be the same guy in round two, for better or worse. Um, and so I... Uh, it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a skepticism pick, but I think I'm going to pick Cannoneer. So... If Luke, I may very quickly, if yeah. I may very quickly, the one thing I would just add, and it's an interesting, I mean, basically the conversation that we're having here is, you know, uh, is the better version that we believe Whitaker has shown and or we think is there, um, could that guy beat Cannoneer at, on Saturday? And I think most of us would probably agree that he could, right? And we don't really talk about it very much in fight sports because it's very, almost impossible to quantify, but in something like baseball or even soccer, you know, you get somebody who's a very good hitter, a very good striker, and then they lose confidence or they get into some kind of slump, right? And they just have to work their way through it. It feels like Whitaker is having, and this is very, it almost sounds like astrology, but really I've seen it enough in other sports 
to know that it is true. I do think he is having confidence issues, not so much in what he knows he can do, but in pulling the trigger in the immediate moment. And perhaps this is recency bias, given how much hesitation was involved in the till fight. So this is a much better test. And I also think that Cannoneer will be a little bit more wide open, which will you know create dangers, but also opportunities. So it's a better test case. But I do wonder about how we measure confidence issues because it's an it's a not an ability issue. It's a it's a totally of a, a, a you know how mentally centered you are, um, and and I do wonder to what extent that is something that ails him. I, I I think again Saturday is a much better test case for us than the till fight. Thanks for joining us, Luke. Uh, you can catch Luke's uh, general work at his Twitter account, L Thomas News, I believe and uh, catch his work on Ortega Zombie and anything that he's doing on the fights this weekend. So uh, thank you for joining us, Luke. Thanks, boys. Great work. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it very much. I think Luke's point about confidence is a really good one. Um, and it's, it's not, I don't think it's too much of a conjecture to say. Like, it is Whitaker who spoke openly about feeling overtrained and underprepared and you know it's I feel like any championship fight that goes the way the Adesanya fight went for him has got to be you know it's got to be damaging to your confidence to some degree um you know every time you try to commit to something you get punished worse for it you feel like you can't help but just play into your opponent's a game um physically that was not a fun night for him at all um either whether he was just getting you know those <laughs> really mean knockdowns on his on his entries or um you know just getting kicked and pecked apart at range like it's it's easy to put yourself in Whitaker's shoes and feel like you're a little less sure of what you're supposed to be doing you're a little less sure of your a game um it feels like there you know every fight has like at least a one sort of hitch in it um so I'm. I think that's a perfectly valid, a perfectly valid point. And I guess it is. Bit I'm taking a bit of a flyer, but um, I guess I'll take the the sort of calm, sometimes frustratingly so, stalking, <laughs> power punching, cannoneer, to just not give Whitaker his margins and just force him to force him. Like I said, he can he can afford the ugly round. He can afford uh to have a bad round and a half before he makes something happen. Um, it seems like the onus is sort of on, on Rob to really, really run away with this thing. So little, little bummed to make the pick, but I'm, I'm picking Cannoneer. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think the thing that we kind of underestimate with how Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till looked at least in my opinion, is that I think it's easy to underestimate the value of just like a good veteran style win. Like in terms of, I think we all wanted Robert Whitaker to just go in and like bang Till out with like the left hook, go and look completely on a different level with Darren Till. And I think it's possible that he just completely outclassed Jared Cannonier. But I think in terms of the longevity of Robert Whitaker's career, the kind of margins that he will have to navigate in the future, I think there were a good few encouraging things from the Till fight, even if it wasn't as uh, decisive as we would have wanted it to be like you know the punching on the brakes the kind of frankie edgar style uh, entering on takedowns to to hit the left hook on the way out the kind of slow pace that he conceded to i think in general you're not always going to be the dynamo in a fight and in this fight whitaker might still be the dynamo in terms of volume and aggression but he's not the dynamo in terms of strength and i think the way that whitaker fought jacare and romero 
it could work against Jared Cannonier. He's a shorter power puncher who's going to try to time him on the counter instead of like backing off or angling off and making Whitaker track him down. So I think it's an easier style matchup. But I do think that the Till fight gives me some better news in terms of longevity, even if it won't ever get him to beat Adesanya. So I think I'm going to go with Whitaker here. Just, again, there's a lot of presumption in both of these fights. Uh, Whitaker, he's a lot like um, picking Brian Ortega a while ago. But, uh, you know, it's not... I feel a little bit better because I've seen Whitaker look good, even if he didn't look great. And I think looking good is enough to beat Jared Cannonier as dangerous as he is. So that was Luke Thomas with us of CBS Sports. Court him and check out his work. He was very kind uh, in terms of coming on our show with us um, and joining us. And he's shared some of our articles in the past, um, which is very obviously incredibly flattering. So go look up his work. Serum, do you have anything coming out this week? Uh, apart from like our staff picks, which we do for pay-per-views. Uh, probably nothing, because uh, I've got a bunch of stuff that snuck up on me this week in terms of non-MMA stuff, because I was meaning to do a Whitaker Cannoneer thing, like a preview, but it uh, it kind of fizzled and reminded me why I only do post-fight things these days, because there's one fight to look at. Uh, but I don't have anything in the pipe for now. I'd just like to thank Luke Thomas again, because I think in terms of the general MMA media, you know, the well-known names, Luke is one of the few who actually comes to break down fights instead of treating it like, you know, pro wrestling with actual action. So uh, thanks again to Luke if you're listening. And uh, yeah, well, we'd love to have him on again. I had that Alex Pereira article go up. Um... It's about left hooks. It's really cool. If you're into Chad Mendez and Alex Pereira, um, and who isn't, you know, know what I want to hang out with, um, give that a read. I try to talk about the mechanics uh, and the, the tactical efficacy of the left hook. Um, it was a fun write, so that should be going up. Our staff pick should be going up, so anyone can hold me to that gate you pick if they want it in writing. Um, and just keep checking out the fight site. You can go to uh express vpn which i actually did yesterday uh to re-up your vpn use um there is fuck i'm trying to get my sponsors down hyperfly for our jujitsu gi gear and uh bovada you can get a 250 dollars betting bonus please bet responsibly if you go through the fight site all of those sponsorships are available through the fight site um and I think that does it. Stay safe, and we'll be back next week. Are we going to have someone on next week to talk about it? We probably should. We should We should see if Hack... What, what's Hacks up to? Yeah, I don't know. We should get Hacks on, because this, is, this seems Hacks like a fight on. he'd be good with. He'll, he'll be... Yeah, Hacks is great for that. So, uh, stay tuned next week. We'll have Hacks arise back, and we'll break out 254, and what the hell comes after that? Um, uh, dear Lord. Um, what is I don't know. Let, let's, let's worry about it then. Paul uh, Silva. Ooh. Oh, wait, I forgot that was a thing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. On Halloween. Yeah, I will not be watching. Anyway, thank you all. Goodbye.